Hello and welcome to A Couple of Goons. I am Walt Hickey, one of the proprietors of A Couple of Goons. And I am joining him today because this is his house. That's Neil right. Payne. We are live. This is our first live episode. The first live ever of the episode. Goons Pod, <laughs> uh, which is made possible by, you know, yeah. developments in the pandemic, a, years passing, the generous, NHL playoffs. A generous grant from the Pfizer Corporation. Correct, <laughs> yes. Um, but, but yeah, we're here. And uh, we're just, you know, so excited about the playoffs that so we excited. felt like we had to do a live in-person episode. Yep, you can't see it, but there's a half-eaten fudgy to whale directly in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they have fudgy pop. So, wow. you know, it's like a bunch of just strewn about uh, just popsicle covered sticks. covered in popsicle sticks. Yeah. It, it reeks of melted chocolate in here. Um, and as we as we speak, it's the last day of the regular NHL season. Yeah, the and it shouldn't be. It should, it should be uh, the you know, an off day before the playoffs, but they had to squeeze in this important game between the Winnipeg Jets and Seattle Kraken that had an importance rating of zero at 538.com <laughs> had no relevance whatsoever. But um, now the regular season is officially over. Every team's played 82 games. We have the playoff field set and uh, we're excited. We're excited. It's great. I'm particularly excited because I get to watch a playoff team this year that I root for. That's rare and unique for you. Rare and unique. You know, is, this is the first time ever. Never before in the history of hockey has that happened. <laughs> for you. <laughs> for me. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, today on the show, we're going to just, you know, kind of run yeah. down what we're thinking about the playoffs, maybe in general, and then go through uh, some of the matchups and just talk about what we're feeling. You know, yeah. this, is, uh, this is really, you know, we went through the postseason last year. And it was a great return to uh, just hockey. You know, I guess it was a return for me. It was a, uh, a debut discovery for, me. for you. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, last year we still were kind of it was a COVID season tail end uh, of, of all that. And this year, I feel like this is like, you know, this could be a truly great playoff. Truly great playoff. It really looks like it's exciting. It's it like. We're going to go through the matchups in a bit, but like having gone through them a little bit, I'm like, this is all really fun. All these teams seem really, really good. A lot of great teams. A lot of great teams. Um, and I guess kind of before we get going, you have just shown me some of the most fascinating things. Like, obviously, we've been pitching, you know, both your GitHub and then what happens when your GitHub gets bought by the Disney company and now on 538.com. Um, you have shown me one of the most like it almost melted me like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark your actual spreadsheet fueling this yeah you it never is, actually get to see the spreadsheet no, it is um, one of the most impressive things that I like I, well and it's translating really well to this audio medium absolutely right now. I just want to um, like rows upon rows columns upon columns like well to, 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 to try to speak the, this into existence. Do you, I mean, do you want to just read it across one by one? Yeah, so uh, pl the first player ID is Troy Terry, because <laughs> we're starting with Anaheim. His, mm -hmm. uh, it's T-E-R-R-Y-T-R-O-1. Mm -hmm. And uh, the year is 2022, of course. He's 24 years old. Right. He plays for Anaheim. That's in the NHL. He's a center, uh, which is associated with being a forward. He has 75 games played, 37 goals, 30 assists, 67 points. For a total of 0 0.89 points per game, 26 penalty okay, minutes. We've been our point. <laughs> anyway, I was waiting for you to stop. There's me. thousands of these. It's incredible. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so so now you know what I'm reading off of uh, during each episode. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think uh, you know we're almost odd. You know, so first of all, this uh, the the data that we're we're talking with does not include that game. Between the Jets and uh, the Kraken, and this grievously affects that actually does affect things so much. <laughs> but also, Hockey Reference they they haven't quite updated their their data fully off of the games from Friday, uh, so we're kind of waiting for that to happen. But you know, they they, they got their stuff together uh, most of the time. So we're going to talk uh, of of the data that's like ninety nine point nine percent, ninety nine point nine, yeah. Absolutely. Which is what we're going for most of the time. I yeah. mean, that's a pretty good success rate for that's us. That's like, what, three Sigmas? I don't know. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right. So you want to just jump in to talk yes. about the playoffs? I mean, I know this is, what is this episode number? What, um, um, how many episodes were in season one? That's, that's the critical question. Because then we got to add four to that. Yes. No, it's not like either of us are particularly good at math. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember who we did last time. We don't have to do that. We did. Uh, yeah, so we, we were going to forego the player of the week. Um, but sorry. we could talk about team of the week because I do yes. think it's interesting to talk about the teams just really briefly. Like as um, they go into the into the playoffs, it seems like momentum is kind of a factor. Right, so who's, hot, who's hot going in? I who's mean, hot it, going in? It is interesting because, you know, I looked at this 
the, the I think the conventional wisdom is, you know, teams that do well, finish strong in the season, maybe have an advantage. I think that's overstating things somewhat, but because really, honestly, the the rating of a team at midseason tells us more, carries more information about a team than it's kind of final month push or final couple months push. But having said that, there's still a lot of information there. It's it's not a zero uh, level of information being added. And so what I did was I actually looked at the five hottest teams in terms of teams added the most ELO rating to their, um, you know, added the most points to their ELO rating. The five hottest teams. It sounds like it's something in the chub box below an article on ESPN. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it's weighted based on the attractiveness ratings of each player. No, uh, it's, it's based on ELO added in the month of April, because right now we're recording this on May 1st playoff start on May 2nd. So it's a nice little, like you have that month of April yeah. as your kind of final, you know, the closing statement going into the playoffs. Uh, and I also looked at the teams that lost the most ELO. So on the hot side, Edmonton Oilers, they were number one. Uh, they, I think went, um, 13 and three or something like wow. that in the last month of the season. In fact, uh, let me quickly scramble and, and look at that. Um, but Edmonton, yes, uh, they went 11 and three in, in April uh, and really going to the playoffs as the hottest team right behind them though. St. Louis blues also had a great record in the month. Uh, also both those teams added 25 points to their ELO uh, as they kind of closed out the season. And then rounding out the top five hottest teams, you got the Minnesota wild, the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. and the Florida Panthers, notwithstanding the, I think it was 10 to two uh, loss that the Montreal Canadians hung on them in the finale. Uh, you know, it's a meaningless game. Um, but uh, yeah, so those were your five hottest teams. And then your five coldest teams are Nashville Predators, Pittsburgh Penguins. That's kind of interesting. Yes, that is interesting. Dallas Stars, who kind of backed their way into the playoffs. We had talked about them being uh, vying with the Vegas Golden Knights, who incidentally missed the playoffs for the first yeah. time ever uh, in their history because they just completely fell apart. You know, yeah. the, the, they they never really got Robin Lehner back and they just, you know, their strategy of keep all your good players on long-term injured reserve in case you make the playoffs didn't really end up working because they didn't actually make the playoffs. No, nope, um, it's, it's an all-or-nothing strategy. It really God, is. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It was a bold strategy. It didn't work. <laughs> but Dallas, so they sort of backed into the playoffs in a lot of ways, but they still did make the playoffs. Also on the list, Colorado. They did not have, you know, as Your dominant. Favorite team, Colorado. My favorite team, as dominant as they were across, you know, the majority of the regular season. I think one of the questions going into the playoffs, maybe not in the first round because they did draw Nashville, um, but the, you know, in general, the question is going to be. Uh, how how much do we make of the late season? Is it just taking your foot off the gas? Did they get rested, you know, and kind yeah. of refocused for the playoffs? Or is, you know, is it a sign that maybe they're not, you know, there's some kind of uh, gaps in the armor for them? And then closing out the top, uh, the bottom five, sorry, the, the coldest five uh, is the Washington Capitals. The frozen five. The frozen five. Not to be confused with the Frozen Four, which is a property of uh, <laughs> oh, no. the intellectual property of the NCAA. Mm. Um, so anyway, those are your teams that are hot and cold going into the playoffs. Again, I don't know what to make of that. No, yeah. like I don't. I don't really actually know. I think uh, if Elo is well calibrated, then a point of Elo that you gain in April is exactly the same as the point of Elo that you gained in like November. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. It is literally um, a zero sum game. It's a zero sum game. So, you know, some teams are going to have played well in the last month and still make the playoffs or, and, and push themselves in the playoffs. And some are going to make the playoffs despite not playing that well. And we see that with Nashville. Um, Cause the entire point of Elo is that it's like a self resetting system that it right. basically seeks to find like, a new equilibrium based on the new information and it just exactly. shuffles points from one to the other. Totally. Completely. Uh, and, and so, you know, it has revised its estimates of these teams. Now, let's just say Colorado, and we can kind of maybe we'll just jump right in on yeah. their um, their playoff path. But Colorado still ended up with an ELO of 1601, which was the third highest for any team through the end of a regular season since the unfortunate event that we haven't spoken of yeah, yet. We got to talk about that event. <laughs> uh, yeah, postseason, after, uh, uh, you know, offseason <laughs> chatter, which we were going to do last season. We'll, we'll try to. To do it this season yeah um but anyway so the avalanche still finished dominant you know they were the number one team in elo and i think you know they are statistically the strongest 
uh, likelihood, not just to make the Stanley Cup final and win the Cup, but also to win in the first round. And some of that has to do with getting the Predators. So they have a 79, Avalanche have a 79% chance of winning that series. And I think they are probably going to take care of business. That's the most lopsided first round. So in some ways, Nashville being cold offsets any concerns about the Avalanche. Yeah, the Avalanche were cold, but the Predators were far colder. Yeah, they were more cold. Right, exactly. So it's almost they lucked out. You know, if they had faced one of those hot teams, it could you could have made the case like a momentum argument. Yeah, momentum, which again, as statistical minded uh, people, do we believe in momentum? I mean, that's kind of the question. Like, there's people have gone back and forth so much on does the hot hand exist? Yep. And they found that it did exist. It did, so yeah. I, I would not be surprised. And also, like, look, Elo momentum can yeah, capture. Ben, ben Cohen wrote a whole book about it. So right. Yeah. Uh, and Elo momentum can capture things like um, injuries and yeah. just kind of underperformance or people regressing back to the mean at the end. And Colorado, you know, as great as they were during the season, like, they received some performances that nobody really saw coming, um, uh, you know, before the season to power them, especially early on when they were like at their hottest. Like we saw Nazem Kadri scored 28 goals and had 87 points. And a lot of that was front loaded. So when yeah. he kind of regresses back to the mean, still a great season, awesome season for him. But it's like, yeah, you're, you're not getting that all season long. And so your ELO goes down when one of your most productive players maybe, um, you know, cools off a little bit. Yeah. So that was the matchup with Colorado and Nashville. And you think that's pretty strongly in Colorado's favor? Yeah. I mean, it's the most 79% sounds like, okay, it's not that certain. And I think that speaks to hockey, you know, in general, because, um, it's in the NBA, a 79% favorite is like moderate. It's not like the, the strongest of, of favorites, but in hockey, that's as strong as it gets at least this season. And yeah. again, we should say this is like an unusually strong crop of teams that we're talking about also in the playoffs. Probably. I don't know if it's tanking. I don't know if it's just, you know, the way things shook out this year, but this is probably the top tier of contenders this year are probably better than any playoff that I can think of at I mean, least since the lockout. The offense is just off the charts. Like offense. We've, we've been talking about you, you, you know, when you first explained that to me, I was like, Oh, okay. Like it's interesting. There's why that's happening. And there's a couple of reasons why, but like the offense this year is like really genuinely off the charts. Like, yeah. It ended up at, so 3.14 goals per team per game. This season was the highest average in the NHL since it tied 1996. So it's actually tied for the highest since 1993, which was another, uh, or 94, which was another kind of memorable, notable high powered offense year, kind of the t- dead end, tail end of the, um, the high flying Gretzky era, basically. So, like, that's what that's the offense level that we're talking about that's this incredible. year. And usually, one, one really interesting thing for me to look at in going into the playoffs is how much is that is going to carry over? Because usually the playoffs are, there's a lot more hitting. And that lower scoring than um, during the regular season. And usually that takes you from a baseline of not that much scoring to really not that much scoring. But now it's taking you from a baseline of pretty good amount of scoring to, I don't know, maybe offenses. Right, exactly. And and we know, you know, I did some research around the Panthers because that's they're the kind of leaders of the offensive surge this season um, that like in the past, traditionally, offensive teams don't go as far in the playoffs as defensive teams. If that's the strength of your team, yeah. all else being equal. So if you had a, two teams equally good ELO rating or goal differential, but one of those was heavily stacked toward offense and the other one was heavily stacked toward defense, the defensive team of those two is going to usually in the history of the playoffs go not just a little bit further, but like, pretty substantially further in the playoffs it's like a risk thing right where like if you're if you're a very good defensive team then the probability that you get like really screwed is less than like if you like an offensive hot like a a big day on offense can come all at once and then like it's like the highs are higher and the lows are lower if i have that right right yeah and especially if you're kind of selling out defense to create offense then you can find yourself kind of vulnerable to counterattacking and things like that um so you know but since so many of the best teams this year are offensive um, slanted, you know, however you want to call it, offensive um, centric teams. Uh, and if we just look at the top 
you know, seven and Elo, all of them exceeded the league average by at least a quarter of a goal per game. Wow. And among the top, I mean, this is even more crazy. These are, I think, all playoff teams, but among the top 15 in ELO to end the regular season, only two had a below average goals per game average. That was the Boston Bruins and the New York Rangers. And both of them were within like fractions of the average, but that's the lowest uh, that you get. So we're getting a lot of strong offensive teams. Now, granted, they were all above average defensively as well. You just had a lot, like there was a stratified. Yeah, uh, there's the haves and the haves not. Like this is just a sea of green and then a sea of red. Right. And not a whole lot in between. Right. But it makes me think like, you know, maybe because there aren't as many um, bad offensive teams that get by heavily on defense, then you might just see more wide open hockey in the playoffs in general. Interesting. But we, we don't know. That's the other thing is like, we're basing it on predictions that we've made, you know, observations from the past. Like if, like if, if the, if the playoffs look the same as they did previously. Yeah. And then it it is, it, that would underscore the hypothesis that the reason for the high flying scoring is tanking function or like, could be. Yeah. Cause you cut, you cut out those tanking teams and then all of a sudden maybe it's not as easy to score, you know, however many goals, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So let's move on to the next matchup in the West, uh, which is Minnesota against St. Louis. And that one is really interesting to me because that has uh, a couple of the hottest teams. So not, the hottest that's Edmonton, but the number two and number three hottest teams, they actually just catch and each there's other. There's not a ton of distance between Minnesota and Edmonton. No, they are like, they, they both or St. Louis. Like, oh, I'm sorry. St. Louis yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, they are right there in terms of the game that they made in April. That's so cool. Yeah. And so that's why that one is a 55 45 in the model in favor of the wild, um, who are the superior seed. They were the second seed in the central as opposed to the third. So, it, you know, home ice. Yeah, uh, but like one game in one direction or the other, we'll, we'll really start throwing some of the odds around. That's yeah, cool. and, and again, you know, Minnesota, uh, even though they have home ice, better seed, better odds in the model, you look at the regular season series, the Blues swept it. They went 3-0 yeah. and against Minnesota during the regular season. And a couple of those games were actually recent. They were overtime games, but they both happened in April. So they kind of backloaded. So those were the versions of the teams that we will end up actually seeing in the playoffs this year. So in the model, that is not the number one closest. And we'll talk about whatever what the number one closest first round matchup, but that's the closest in the West. Yeah. And I think that's gonna be a hell of a series. That sounds like and they're both coming in hot. That's awesome. That'll they're both coming up. in hot. They're both really fun teams to watch. And that's one where it's just like flip a coin to um, see who you like in that series. And they're both offensive teams i think that's one of the best things minnesota you know they got a little bit lost among like florida and you know toronto and some of these other really colorado these high scoring teams they were right in that conversation in terms of goals per game this season and they're like not as tight of a defensive team uh and and you could kind of say a version of that for st louis as well so it could it has the possibility of being a really close really high scoring series which i'm looking forward to that seems like a fun one yeah um what else we got on the West? Okay, so the next one is Calgary against Dallas. And again, that's one where we talked about Dallas being one of the coldest teams yeah. going into the playoffs. And that is feeding, I mean, a lot of things are feeding <laughs> into it, but this is feeding into this being the second most lopsided series uh, in, in the first round. Flames have a 72% chance of winning. It's not to say that the Stars don't stand a chance in that series, but it does, you know, Calgary is a team that, might be flying under the radar. Certainly they, in my opinion, that I think they're the, the best Canadian team we've Whoa. seen Toronto. We'll talk about Toronto in a second, uh, but we we've seen enough, you know, problems from Toronto in the past and they have a tough uh, path as well uh, that, that we'll get into in terms of who they have to go through. Whereas if you're the flames at the very least, you're going to go through a Dallas team. That's like, you know, decent, but not like amazing. Yeah. And then you get the winner of the Edmonton LA King series, which we'll talk about next, but that one is not, you know, necessarily a great uh, series either. So honestly, if you look at Calgary's path, you'd much rather be them than maybe even Colorado. Cause yeah, Colorado gets Nashville, but then they get the Minnesota St. Louis winner. That's going to be a tough series, I think. So if you're Calgary, you beat Dallas, 
maybe you've got like a decent chance to, you know, so to you kind think of coast they could go into kind of the. Beat? You think that they could even kind of hit the conference finals with a little bit better chance than you know you might otherwise give them? Right. Yeah, and they have a forty-five percent chance of making the conference final as well. Um, and and we'll talk about who they'll have to go through there. And I also just like that team. Uh, you know, that's a team that um, they're really fun to watch. They're really balanced, and I like that in a team. Yeah. In terms of maybe that you know we're, we're twisting ourselves in knots with like these theories about how the offense and defense are going to kind of interplay during the playoffs yeah. but you can make a case that if you're the most balanced team however the the offense or defensive effects end up playing out uh and carrying over from the regular season to the playoffs a team like calgary that's pretty good at both would be able to kind of adapt Better yeah, than you can a absorb team. shock, so you're a little bit more more robustly built. One might say. Right. Yeah. They are they are the anti fragile team. That's not bad, of man. The, uh, uh, of the first round of the playoffs or of the top you know tier of teams. Yeah. Um, I also like again like I know that we're not there's no way to decide this preemptively right but like just kind of these theories of the case for each team that's fun that's a good way to kind of understand a lot of what's going on. Oh yeah, completely and. I like the idea of just having theories of the case yeah. about each of these teams. Like the theory of the case for the Avalanche is just, you know, overwhelming depth uh, and talent for a team like the Florida Panthers. It's, uh, you know, just pure offensive firepower and yeah. trying to get by on that. And Minnesota, I think, is is in that same uh, category. And the theory of the case for the Flames is just all around talent you know ability and and demonstrated uh production during the year and i think people didn't quite pay as much attention to them because they play in canada yeah and because you know they were not as good last year you know they kind of came out of nowhere to have this type of right. season I, i'm trying to remember where they were pre-season but i feel like they were one of those that the model didn't necessarily give a ton of a shot to no really not um like i remember doing a story kind of early in the season about Canada's best chances of winning the cup. And I think they were second sandwiched between Toronto, which, uh, you know, has its own baggage and uh, Edmonton, which we'll also get to also has its own baggage. But, um, you know, I think it was like, uh, they're, they're, they're off to a good start, but like, we're not giving them a huge chance. And they just kind of took that hot start and they kept going with it. For them, yeah. I mean, I I root for teams, especially like Calgary. My goodness, that they that their fans and that city just seem to love that team, you know. And it's just um, also like some of the smaller markets. I mean, how often do you get to compete like and really have a good solid contention team versus like again? There's a reason that Toronto is always on the mind. It seems completely. Yeah, exactly. I think that that uh, is is especially in the dynamic of Canadian hockey. Like there's a lot of passion in Calgary and Edmonton and in that rivalry and and in you know Vancouver you know that those fans are are you know really passionate Montreal, but like you know most of the time Toronto has the big payroll and it has the big talent and stars and just seems like the team that looks really good on paper and then the other teams are kind of scrappy yeah. and, and Calgary I think has has risen above the scrappy. Yeah, I just wanted. I just noticed this on your spreadsheet. They had the lowest preseason ELO rating of anybody that appears to be in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, that's that's uh, well, uh, second. Uh, they're tied oh. with Dallas, uh, and and the Kings oh, are also cool. in there. But like among the top tier of contenders, easily the the lowest ELO rating. So um, yeah, y- you like to see it. So we'll see where they go um, from there. And then rounding out the West, you got Edmonton and the Kings. And that's one where Edmonton, again, hottest team going yeah. to the playoffs. The Kings were, you know, the, I think they had an okay final, you know, stretch or whatever. They were locked in that three-way battle with, you know, trying to keep the the Vegas Golden Knights out of the playoffs. And they succeeded in that. The thing that's interesting to me about the Kings, that's like kind of their theory of the case, they have... Uh, they're like conventional metrics, whether you're looking at like goal differential or, you know, um, goals above replacement, all of those things, even ELO, they don't look special in those categories. Like yeah. their offense was bad. They're, you know, below average. Their defense was like good, but overall their goal differential, nothing special. Uh, didn't have that many, you know, only had 99 points. Uh, whereas like most of the other best teams easily had pack. triple digits. Yeah, like middle of the pack in the league, which makes you like 
low on the playoff um, sure, sure. pecking order. Yet the one thing that they have going for them is they're one of the best possession teams in the uh, in the playoff field. They're sixth in Corsi, which we have talked about. Yes, the share of shot attempts uh, by a team in its games, uh, and and this is looking at just five on five situations when the game close. So like filtering out score effects and all of these other confounding factors. They're a really good possession team. And, and they actually had a better possession rate, better Corsi than Colorado and Tampa and Minnesota. Uh, and, you know, the Rangers, my God, uh, of course they had, <laughs> they were higher than Rangers. So uh, to me, their theory of the case is maybe this team is, maybe they got unlucky in terms of how much they scored and, and, you know, their save percentage and they could be sort of a diamond in the rough in the playoff field. Do I believe that? Maybe not. Uh, Edmonton also, again, coming in on a roll. I don't know what that's going to do. Um, and I think LA also has some pretty significant injuries uh, mm -hmm. that, that you have to watch out for. So, you know, but they do have, an interesting, unique theory of the case. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and, and as a team, I would much rather be a team with like, not that great numbers in most of the categories, but one really good number. Yeah, you in got like a one signature of them. stat. Like signature stat. Exactly. Than a team that's like just kind of met across the board. Yeah. Cause like, what are you going to beat someone else on? If you're just like meh, and yeah. everything. If you're the average team, then you're already like barely sneaking into the playoffs. And so why? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a good theory of the case. I like that. And then Edmonton just seems to be, you know, really on a roll and doing quite well. Yeah. And, and, uh, I believe that, um, they're going to be relatively healthy going into the playoffs. I think Darnell nurse, he sat out a few games going in, but now he should be good to go for the playoffs. So, to, to me, Edmonton is always the story of the unfulfilled potential of having the two, you know, just completely otherworldly stars in McDavid and Dreisaitl, both of whom had more than uh, at least 110 points during the season. And in fact, Dreisaitl had exactly 55 goals and 55 assists. Damn. And I'm trying to remember there was a stat about like the last time that was that hadn't been done. Now, obviously, he is like hitting the absolute bottom of the qualification for both of those numbers mm -hmm. in that. But that combination, 55 or more goals, 55 more assists, hadn't been done in the NHL in a long time. So these two have goals above replacement very, very, very high. Yeah, together, they're worth more. We estimate that they're worth more than 51 goals above replacement just by themselves. And just for context, a 51 goals above replacement team, the Chicago Blackhawks were not, their whole team was not 51 <laughs> goals above replacement. So just Dreisaitl and McDavid together made for uh, like a whole team's worth of production. The problem yeah. with Edmonton is like, they didn't really get a huge amount out of the rest of the team and defensively they're suspect. And, you know, I'm not totally sold on their goaltending. Um, and so that's why, you know, they they have a uh, theory of the case. They have a theory of the anti-case in yeah. some ways. And the Kings have a theory of the case. And I think that's why that particular matchup is not necessarily a sure thing. I mean, the Oilers are at 70%. That's relatively high. Um, but I'm curious to see what the Kings can do uh, in that. Uh, be a little surprised. Now, the Oilers did win the season series also 3-1. to one. So, you know, and, and uh, one of those games took place in April. Edmonton beat L.A., three to two. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, but I I'm thinking again, speaking, just kind of zooming out, looking at the bracket as a whole, this just screams to me like Calgary has a pretty good path to the they've conference finals. It's they've got a lane. And when you have a lane, nothing is a sure thing in the NHL playoffs, but like, if you can feel like you are good about penciling yourself into that conference final, and then you look at Colorado and it's like, yeah, they're probably going to beat Nashville, but they might have trouble with a Minnesota St. Louis winner. Then it's like, all of a sudden you're in Quinn Flick territory. You're sort of sitting there if you're Calgary and you're like, Hey, I might face Colorado and that could be a problem for us. But I think they 
could at least give Colorado a great series. But then also, hey, maybe I get to face Minnesota. Maybe I get to face St. Louis. And again, those are offensive. All of the teams they might end up facing are sort of offense-heavy teams in that conference final. And you're like, hey, we can score, but also we have a better defense than them. And defense has a demonstrated ability to win in the playoffs. Why not Calgary in the in the Stanley yeah. Cup final second consecutive year with a with Calgary? a um, why not Calgary with a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final? Maybe it goes better this time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm not saying I'm picking Calgary, but like if I were thinking, yeah, Colorado was like the betting favorite. You never want to if you're doing a pool. No. You're not going to pick Colorado because that's just everybody is picking that. That's that. a so Calgary feels like a you know sort of hipstery pick that's yeah. like not uh not so far out the outside the realm of possibility it's actually a very good possibility but you could feel smart and be like i call the flames now watch yeah. them lose in the first round watch them lose because <laughs> it's hockey you know yeah. you don't know so anyway all right that's a west that's a big picture for now the let's west. Go to the west let's pivot to the to the east and talk about first round florida versus washington that's one where you know, almost all the indicators, if not every single one of them, is pointing in Florida's direction. It's also very good for them. It looks good for them. 72% chance Washington's also in the not model. particularly hot, I believe you mentioned. Washington, yeah, was one of our five coldest teams, although they were fifth. And um, uh, the uh, Panthers were one of our five hottest teams, although they were fifth in that. Uh, and again, we don't know the, the importance of that anyway. But uh, I, I think it just cuts off another way in which you could make yeah. the case that like Washington and Florida's case is that they are just an offensive juggernaut. Yeah. They were the best offensive team in the league this year. And one of the best offensive teams ever, I don't know exactly where they rank all time, but when I looked at it, like, I don't know, three weeks ago, they were like one of the, they were like the 16th best offensive team relative to league average in the entire history of the NHL. That's really impressive. But this is also a very offensive like year. Right. Know? And in the year of the offense, I mean, that says something. And also, again, it comes down to whether we think that can carry over in the playoffs as well and kind of be a year where an offensive team can do better than we would expect them to yeah, normally right. do. What's the, what's the case of the Caps? Well, they're a little more balanced, I think. You know, they they have the better defense in terms of fewer goals per game allowed, although neither was, like, especially great. Um, they were just, like, so far behind in terms of scoring that, you know, Florida was the – by goal differential, I think Florida was the best team in the league uh, this season. Now, goaltending might still be a question for them, and so Washington, being a team that can score – and had a little bit better defense in terms of just their, um, you know, preventing shots and things like that. Maybe that is the case. But Washington's goaltending is also not great. You yeah. know, they are they the oldest team in the league. They are the oldest team in the league. Wow. Exactly, they are the oldest team. And really, I mean, a lot of that. And we say that looking over your shoulder at these spreadsheets while you do this is very fun. I will say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's weighted by goals above replacement. And if you look at their best players, you know, mm-hmm. Alex Ovechkin had a great season, fifty goals at age thirty-six. But also John Carlson had a great season at defense, 71 points in 78 games. He almost averaged a point a game as a defenseman, again, age 32. Uh, And Dmitry Orlov also had a great season at age 30. Kuznetsov is, Evgeny Kuznetsov is the relative young player on the team (laughs) at age 29, even though it feels like he's been around a lot longer. Um, but really, if you just look at their top contributors, many of them, if not all of almost all of them are 30 or older. And then also they just have like pretty shaky goaltending situation mm-hmm. if, if we're looking at it. Um, uh, so to me, this is I don't know that this is the last chance for Ovechkin, but I don't know if he's going to have a season like he had this year at age 36 again. I know he's gunning for Gretzky's record yeah. and got probably a lot closer than most of us thought he would get by the end of this season to breaking that record. I mean, a 50 goal season at age 36 is pretty rare, but you have to wonder how many of those seasons he and even Carlson have left in them in their careers. I don't want to, again, I don't want to say that this is like the last dance, you know, for this Washington team, but this is a core that they've had for a number of years, core that they won the cup with in 2018 and um yeah they might be running out of gas they could be running out of gas and then they draw pretty tough matchup in the first round against florida but again florida 
has not won a series, full stop, no postseason series win since 1996. That's, that is an unbelievably long period that's of time very, that's not great. for a team. So Florida has, I don't know if they have pressure, but like given the season that they had this, this year, um, this is a really, this is their best chance probably ever to um to succeed in the playoffs and like give me at least a series win give me (laughs) something uh in this and i think that this is a great chance for them to have that series win because again if they like 72 percent chance if they lose to washington in this first round i don't know what you do like after this regular season if you don't win uh at least a series but hopefully you know in their mind more what do you do yeah you know, they've built offensive you, teams. They've built defensive teams. I know, right? <laughs> I believe they uh, they play in. Uh, oh, geez, uh, it's because it, it's not Miami. It, no, it's Miami. no, it's uh, it's like north of Miami. It's one of these weird like they incorporated the whole um, mm. town yeah, only Florida because it that. has <laughs> right. Well, uh, only because only because it has the arena. FLA Live Arena, which is in Sunrise, Florida. That's where they play. That's such a so perfect I think, name for a fake town. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sunrise, Florida. I, I, to my knowledge, it's not like it, it might be a patch of swampland that has an arena in it. I, I'm not sure. So, sorry to the listeners out there if I'm slandering Sunrise, Florida, by the way. But, but I'm such was my understanding of where this arena was located. Certainly. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Talk about what I think is the best series, closest series, mm-hmm. just like this series could go in a bunch of different ways series of the first round, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay lightning. Yeah. Both of these teams, terrible draw. I mean, they yeah. just get, you know, thrown into the deep end of the pool immediately. And, uh, this series could go a ton of different ways. Tampa Bay staring at the possibility of winning their third straight Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. which is something that I want to say only six, uh, only five other teams have ever done. I feel like the theory of the case is very obvious with Tampa Bay Lightning already because they've already demonstrated it twice in a row. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, it's like we've seen them win. They win with goaltending. They're also a very balanced team. I mean, I think it's similar yeah. to the Calgary argument of like they can play different styles. Probably the only thing that the city of Calgary and the city of Tampa Bay have (laughs) well, they did play each other in the 2004 Stanley cup final as, as well. So um, yeah, that's the case for the, for the lightning is they've been there before. They're not as good as they were in previous years. And that's sort of been documented that like the effect of the salary cap and like just losing players it's an accumulating effect where by year three, you got all that extra mileage on you. You've made two consecutive deep runs into the playoffs. Um, your core is older. They're running with roughly the same core that they were minus a bunch of guys. You know, it's like they haven't yeah. added that much to the core from the 2020 team the, that their won. Their ELO rating appears only marginally lo- larger than it was at the beginning of the season, too. Yeah, and it's a lot lower uh, over the course of the past three years. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at their arc over time, uh, you can see that at the end of the 2020, you know, oh, playoffs, yeah. they were 16.03. Then last year, they were 15.96 after winning the Cup. Uh, and then this year, they were 15.81 after the regular season. And so, uh, you know, we've seen cases where this team had a great regular season and did nothing in the playoffs. So you think of 2019. So it's not totally indicative, but I think you just see that like their goal differential has kind of eroded their, you know, offense has kind of eroded from where it was uh, at the beginning of the run. And, you know, we'll see another year older. I think they were one of the oldest teams uh, as well during the season. So, and then for Toronto, you know, you've got the home ice. Yep. You've got a tremendous amount of talent. It's impossible to fuck up. <laughs> There's no way that they'll. This is this is the best Maple Leafs team uh, in terms of goal differential relative to league average, or just wow. you know goal differential, um, you know per game. Since we got to go back, we got to go back in time. Yeah. We got to go back all the way back to 1961. What? And that includes, they would go on, after 1961, they would go on to win four Stanley Cups in the next six years, but none of those seasons... Can you read the name of that coach, please? 
His name was Punch Imlock. What a goddamn name. <laughs> Punch Numlock, on the hey. other hand, is your favorite coach. Yes. But um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, none of those teams that won the cup had, oddly enough, actually in 1967, their last cup win, they actually had a negative goal differential uh, mm-hmm. for what it's worth. But anyway, none of those teams had as good of a goal differential as this Maple Leafs team. And we saw Austin Matthews. I think he was the first American-born player ever to score 60 goals in a season. Uh, strong MVP case from him. Got a ton of contributions up and down the roster. Um, and this is their chance. I, I feel like I say that every year yeah. about Toronto. But like, if they're not going to win a cup or make a good run at it with this team... When's it going to happen? Yeah. When's it going to happen, guys? When are you going to do it? And we saw last year that they went up against what we felt like was a pushover Canadiens team, and they blew it. Mm. They found a way to blow it. Yeah. Now they're going up against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. What do you do with that? That's a really tough draw. I I know. Both teams really, like, they could have gotten – and it's just the way the standings in the the, the Atlantic division – uh, was really uh, stacked from top to bottom this year. But at the same time, you kind of look at it and you're like, geez, these teams, like, somebody has to lose this series. And is it going to be Toronto of all teams, the most snake bit, cursed, <laughs> least effective playoff team in recent hockey memory, knocking off and ending the streak of potentially three straight Stanley Cups for Tampa? I don't know. We'll find out. I don't um, know if it's ever been said in hockey before, but do you believe in miracles? Hey, <laughs> yes. Uh, and and that season series was tied two two also. Ooh. And and I should say the thing that makes it the closest in the model is Maple Leafs. We give a fifty two percent chance, Lightning a forty eight percent chance. That is the it's practically as close as can get yeah. to fifty fifty without actually being fifty fifty. So that one is going to be like flip a coin. Give me, you know, whatever you want out of that series. It should be fun, I hope, especially if Toronto doesn't lay an egg, mm-hmm. um, which they've done. Uh, but anyway, so we'll see that. And then, I mean, it's tough for Florida to have to play the winner of that series, yeah. too, like in the second round, you know, that uh, assuming they beat Washington. Yeah. So, you know, I think the bottom half of uh, the, the bottom uh, pod of this uh, Eastern Conference bracket lot less, you know, scary in some yeah. ways than the top. So we'll just kind of pivot to that and talk about the Hurricanes and the Bruins. Yes. In, um, I think, an interesting matchup. The Bruins have kind of flown under the radar. Canes swept the season series in this by a combined margin of 16 to 1. 16 well, goals to 1. <laughs> that's pretty fair. Yeah. Carolina's a really fun team. Carolina's a great team. Their theory of the case is similar to Calgary. I think they're actually really similar in terms of they're they're both really balanced teams. I would say Carolina tips the scales a little bit more toward defense and one of the better defensive teams. uh, I think actually the best defensive team in the playoffs in terms of goal prevention um, looking forward. Uh, They, you know... They were kind of in cruise control mode down the stretch of the season. They had some injuries. Um, I think for them, goaltending is kind of a question in terms of, you know, Freddie Anderson, he's been day-to-day for for the back half of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's He's not going to be starting in, in the playoff opener. That's Unclear tough. as to whether, you know, when he'll be available. And he was one of the players that kind of drove the the bus for them during the season. Um, That's hard because, again, like you, like you have kind of consistently harped on for me, it's like goaltending is such a critical part and the, the, the heat on a goaltender is such a critical part. And if he's coming in off an injury, that might be – yeah and and you know freddie anderson during the regular season had a 922 save percentage and was 22.1 goals saved above average backup anti ranta what only had a 912 save percentage and was only 3.6 goals saved above average now we have seen cases though like playoff goaltending is so wacky that like it would not surprise me in the least if ranta just comes in if he actually you know kind of stays the starter say he's hot early in the playoffs uh, and they're like, Hey, maybe we don't even bring Freddie Anderson in, or we kind of give Ranta a chance to, until he has a bad start. If he could become the hot goalie, 
Like we've seen, (laughs) we've seen situations even like in the playoffs, you know, with the St. Louis blues and Jordan Bennington a couple of years ago. uh, And, and just tons, like you could rattle off tons of situations in which goalies that were of ill repute during the regular season (laughs) were given chances in the playoffs and took it off and, and ran with it. So just putting that giant, like, uh, you know, grain of salt on it. But they were a team that was reliant on their goaltending and their defense during the regular season. Number one defense uh, in terms of goals above replacement um, during the regular season. So, you know, we'll see. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll see what they can do uh, in that. And then on the Boston side, you know, that's a team that is another one of the oldest teams. Uh, I don't have necessarily even like a strong narrative sense of their season. You know, they picked it up a little bit in the second half of the year. They still have problems scoring, still a strong defensive team uh, and goaltending team, despite the fact that uh, they were transitioning at goalie uh, this season uh, and kind of moving on from Tuka Rask, uh, you know, longtime goalie that, that they were kind of getting past and they had, Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, the swag man, Jeremy Swayman, um, they did an okay job in net. But, you know, it's like, is this the same Boston team? Do they still have the same problems of, like, their top line can score a lot, but they don't have any depth beyond that? Yes. Are they still a defensive-minded team first and foremost? Yes. Uh, And so, you know... I don't quite have like a strong, compelling theory of the case for them. They were one of the better possession teams. Maybe they're like a stronger version of the Kings in that regard. They also seem like they are what we thought they were. Like it seemed like that they're starting ELO in the season after this preseason ELO was like pretty close to where they are right now. Right. Yeah. They, they ended up in basically exactly, you know, very near the same ballpark and that team was expected to be pretty good yeah. and they ended up being pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could argue that the, the Panth- I mean, the hurricanes are uh, just like an awful draw for them in terms yeah. of how they matched up during the season. Granted, they haven't played since February 10th. And I think Boston made some, t- you know, both teams made some tinkering at the deadline um, mm-hmm. that, that could kind of change and flip that dynamic. But as it is now, you know, there's a reason why we give Carolina a 60% chance of winning that series. Again, Bruins look perfectly good on paper, but still underdogs in that series to kind of move on. So, you know, we'll we'll see how that ends up working out for them. All right. Now let's talk about the, the premier <laughs> event. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the Rangers and the Penguins kind of rounding out the Eastern Conference. And that one, uh, Rangers... Very close. Rangers 57%, uh, Penguins 43%. So it's one of the closer first-round series, like yeah. I think third closest among the first-round series. And that feels maybe right to me. Like based on the head-to-head, it seems like the Rangers have had the Penguins number, especially in the last three matchups. Um, the the Rangers have outscored them 11-3 to yeah. and, and kind of swept over those. And I think Pittsburgh, yeah, there's kind of a tough um, – it's a tough draw for them to end up going up against um, uh, the Rangers. And also they're dealing with goalie problems. Tristan Jari injured mm-hmm. and has been, you know, another one of those like late April goalie injuries, which can be really tough to overcome. So, you know, the Rangers are a fascinating team because they did not score that much. No defensive minded team. Uh, and one of the worst possession teams down there with St. Louis also. The Corsi is not Corsi. very good, it appears. The Corsi is not great for this team. And does that matter, though? They're like the yeah. opposite of the Kings in yeah. that regard of like, do you, they have pretty good numbers in other categories. Um, so what's their theory of the case, you think? Well, I think their theory of the case is also big important stat for the Rangers is that they were one of the best special teams um, teams in the league. And in fact, the blues are similar because they were the best special teams, but this is looking at relative power play percentage plus relative penalty kill percentage, adding those two together. Rangers had the fourth best power play, eighth best penalty kill. So they're the fourth best um, special teams and their power play offense in terms of goals above average per game was fourth their non-power play offense was 19th. So yeah. they're they a team... They seem very opportunistic. 
they're very opportunistic and they sort of really need to rely on uh, getting penalties yeah. to go in their favor. And we know in the playoffs that penalty calls actually go up. You know, the uh, that might be a little surprising because the the conventional wisdom is that, just let them play. Is that the refs swallow the whistles. Right, exactly. And so if there are more penalties called, that would, you would think, favor the Rangers. You get more power plays. You score more goals. Also, we have to talk about the fact that Igor Shosturkin was maybe the MVP yeah, he's a, really as good. goalie. He's a really good. Um, and the Rangers had the best goaltending in the league during the regular season and one of the better defenses. So we're talking about that as the theory for uh, the Rangers. Pittsburgh also strong goaltending during the season, but again, they, they may not have Tristan Jari. The youngest team in the playoffs? Rangers, one of the youngest teams in the in the league. And yeah, it looks like they're the youngest team in the playoff field. So I don't know if that does anything because you could spin that as saying like, do they have the experience? Yeah. Did they have the seasoning? Um, the other thing for me on the Rangers is that they were one of the most sort of top heavy uh, teams that was like reliant on a small group. Yes. We're talking about Adam Fox on the back end, Chris Kreider scoring those goals. He had 52 uh which was one of the highest in Rangers history and, and just a great season. And Panarin, uh, Panarin and Zibanejad also had great years. But, like, really, you're just talking about relying on, like, kind of a small core of players to carry the load for your whole team. Does that matter in the playoffs when you're playing the same opponent again and again and again, and they can match you up? They can kind yeah. of figure out, like, okay, if we take away what this team is good at because we're learning more as the series goes on, do they have something else? And maybe Shesterkin is the X factor there because it's like maybe it doesn't matter if you take away Kreider and you take away, you know, Panarin. Shesterkin keeps you in the game. Right. But, again, the history of predicting the hot goalie off the best goalie is not overly Yeah, great. yeah. No, you definitely you've definitely mentioned that sometimes like the best goalie in the season is really not the the, the necessarily the best one in the playoffs. Right. Um, and so that to me is that's why this is a really interesting matchup. Because, I'm excited for it. It seems cool. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be one of the best ones of the first round, I think, um, and and one of the more compelling ones. Um, and I think both of those teams, especially I think Pittsburgh, you know, there was even question of like, should a team try to kind of like. Um, tank to kind of fall back in the wild card and face another team rather than facing you know if you feel like you're snake bit against the rangers could you maybe fall into a wild card and then you and not that you would want to face florida or carolina but yeah. like you could maybe you could have at one point but instead they're gonna go and, and there's bad blood between those teams you know yes, which you love to see you, you love, love to, see. to see playoff series between teams that have bad blood so yeah if we want to zoom out and look at the eastern conference as a whole you know, again, I think the Toronto-Tampa Bay, that's just... That's, that's going to be a, insane. That's tough. That's going to be insane. And Florida's going to have to most likely play the winner of that series. It's going to be hard for them, even if they win their first playoff series in 20, uh, 26 years, uh, uh, going back, yeah, to 1996, yeah. that they're immediately going to face a really strong team to try to go yeah exactly and we know that you know from the other sports that we look at with elo that you know the in situations in which you're playing a team coming off a win over another good team it's sort of based on that conditional you're getting a better version of the team that you're facing so it's like it's not just oh you either get toronto or tampa bay and we know what they are you're going to learn that one of those teams is going to kind of come out of that fire, you know, stronger, and that's the team that you have to face. So that's, that's concerning for Florida. That is t- that is tough because either they lose in the funniest way possible in the first round, yeah, or they're just running so into whatever buzz saws left over. Right, and they yeah. can beat those teams. I mean, you know, it's not like they can't beat them, but it's still you know a tougher path. Yeah. And then if you're looking like the Rangers, like we said, they are favored. It may not be like a landslide type of favorite over. Um, uh, in the in the first round over Pittsburgh, but you know they could move on and they could either face Carolina or Boston. They could beat either of those teams. I mean, Carolina's one of those like, hey, we've been tracking this team as a potential Stanley Cup team all season yeah. long. They're the only one that can say that necessarily in that bottom pod. Like maybe you could make the case for the Rangers, but like they have flaws also. Um, but again, 
it's not like as tough of a path for whoever wins the first round in either of those series as it is for a team yeah. like Florida. So yeah, if I were picking, you know, I still think Toronto is the, I mean, I still think Florida slip of the tongue there. <laughs> I, I still think Florida is no, no, the, no, jinx them. <laughs> yeah, right. Florida is the most likely, I guess if you're kind of following the same logic though, in the bracket as saying like, Hey, Calgary's got a nice chance because they, you know, don't have a particularly strong first round opponent and then get to face a maybe less strong second round opponent than the top seed. You may, maybe Carolina is the parallel for that. Carolina gets to face Boston, a team that they've demonstrated that they can beat and then gets again, either the Rangers or Pittsburgh, a much easier second round, uh, no matter who wins it than the Toronto Tampa winner. And so maybe we're looking at like a Calgary Carolina final potentially yeah. or something like that. Um, just based on the matchups that kind of jump out. And that would be a very like hockey hipster, you know, teams that we were in on early in the season, that, <laughs> you know, so maybe tooting our own Ugh. horn about it. Um, but no, I, I think um, still like the most probable matchup in the finals is Florida versus Colorado which of course is a rematch of the 1996 Stanley course, Cup final. Yeah, of course, of course it is. <laughs> which was the last series that Florida played in beyond the first round in its history. So, and they got swept. So it would be poetic in a certain way if Florida and Colorado kind of finished this collision course that they seem to be on and Florida gets a chance to avenge that sweep. God. Not that almost any of the play like many of the players on all of these teams were not even alive at that time. So, you know, <laughs> I love it when sports imitates sports anime and just like really gets the, the exact stakes that you want. to Exactly. See. But, yeah. So those are the stakes for me uh, in this. And that was kind of an overview of the playoffs. So, Walt, yes. what do you think? I'm excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm obviously like very like I'm psyched to potentially vi- like go to see a playoff game. Uh, you know, I got to scr- see if I can get scratch together and which one works. But um <laughs> I don't know. I think it's going to be very fun to kind of watch that uh, live. Like, I remember being somewhat jealous of Islanders fans last year. Um, you Which know, is the first time anyone's ever said that. Yeah, exactly. And potentially the last. Um, but nevertheless, <laughs> um, no, it's been fun. I am very much looking forward to watching this. I, you know, this really seems like an excellent playoff. And um, yeah, thanks for the preview, man. That was fun. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Hopefully now, like, watch every every little nugget that I just kind of dropped in there completely, completely wrong. be Flames, wrong. Flames, de- oh and 4 like, Yeah, right, exactly. Um, but yeah. Uh, no, it'll be fun. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see it. And it seems like you know, it'll be yeah, little like last year was always kind of touch and go with COVID concerns and whatnot. But it seems like this is just kind of just going to happen, and it's fun, and it's very easy to watch, and it's very uh, yeah. And it's I'm on ESPN like, now, and and the various uh, related family of uh, networks. So <clears throat> our friend yes. NBC Sports Network is uh, you know just a distant memory Gosh, right now. I you know I have been trying to watch car shows, and I have no idea where to watch it. Well, you know, it's so funny. Do I, I don't know. I don't know what network it was on. But my wife and I went to a diner, um, like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And somehow in the background, there was the Meekum auction. What? I don't know what channel Is it was on. Is there like on. a special cable package? It for might the be. Because oh then after that, it was like two guys in a garage talking about improving the performance of like their engine pistons or something like what? that. And I was like. This is NBC Sports Network material. How is it easier to watch that than like F1? Like Right. And and why would someone put that on in the background in a diner? Yeah, that seems like the least appetizing thing to consume. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so people can find all these probabilities and more consistently updating at uh 538.com projects.538.com. But you can just go to the main page. You, you can see it. And we changed over our uh prediction like format so now it tells you the odds of making each round in the playoffs which is nice that's that is nice that's a good touch i like that and how about you Walt? i'm just on the internet you can just kind of eat anything i don't know um go to numlock oh that's a that's a thing that's changed numlock.com no longer numlock.substack no yeah we 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 obtained the url it was a great deal of work uh but uh yeah numlock.com but does that mean that you've like sold out you're not gonna have controversial opinions that get you canceled fire all the time (laughs) baby oh um so yeah no uh yeah you can find me there that's fun um but yeah so we'll be watching uh if you enjoy this tell a friend about it leave a review um say hey and then uh okay since you have to touch that one bye